Welcome back into another episode of The Owen Show. I am Owen Burke, joined virtually by Tim Hunt. Tim, how you doing today? Dude, good, man. Ready to jump in and talk some football. Yeah, we've got a... You know, I thought last week was pretty busy with the trade deadline, and despite not as much headlines-wise, we've still got quite a bit to talk about. So... Uh, and even if we didn't, we we could ramble for we could ramble on three things for two hours if we wanted to, anyways. So yeah, it's not very hard for us. Not 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 at all. So let's hop straight into trivia for the week. So what are you? What are the records for us, real quick? You are five and five. I'm two and three. Pending today's results, we'll see where Tim lands. He's got to go three and two to tie it up here through four weeks. So four episodes, right? We've we done this now. Yeah, four episodes, something like that. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, I don't know where to start with one. Oh, okay. I don't want to You're okay. Th- Since I have two easy ones, I don't want to throw you both and just like hammer <laughs> the three hard ones at the end. All no, right. You're good. So, what quarterback did Tampa Bay trade away for a second and a fourth round picks in the nineteen eighty in nineteen eighty seven? 1987. So they had a quarterback. They were like, we're shipping this guy out. Give us a second and a fourth rounder. Steve Young. Nice pick. I thought that was going to be a little bit more difficult than that. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I knew I knew Steve Young. I It was like in my brain, I was like 87. I was like, I know Steve Young played for a different team before he played for San Francisco. Like, got I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the little tidbit underneath that one was like, uh, deeming Steve Young a bust, the Buccaneers traded him away to be Joe Montana's backup. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that went real well for Tampa Bay after that one. <laughs> Boy, that Steve Young did absolutely well. nothing in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who is the first player to rush for 1,000 yards in a single season? Oh, that's tough. That's a hard one for me. That is – this is tough. Uh, let's make this one multiple choice. Okay. So your four options are Joe Perry – Mm-hmm. Jim Brown, Steve Van Buren, or Beady Feathers? Oh. Jim Brown's tempting, but I don't think that's correct. That actually might feels, be. Feels too easy, right? That that it does feel too easy, but that that could be true. I mean, he won he won the first MVP, so it's not out of the question. One more time. Joe Perry, Jim Brown, Steve Van Buren, or Beady Feathers? Is it is it C? Is it Steve Van Buren? It is not. It is not. It is Beady Feathers, Beady first feathers. man to rush for a thousand yards, ran for one thousand and four yards on ridiculous one hundred nineteen carries, which means he averaged eight point four yards a carry that season as well. Which is what year? Deep. What year did he do that in? It was super super old. How old? The only okay. reason I actually recognize that name is because when Baltimore's on Thursday Night Football, they're talking about Lamar's. Uh, Yards per carry this year is like third highest all time, and this guy's eight point four is at the top of the list. Interesting That's the only reason I recognize his name. Hmm. I'm trying to see if I can get back to that question, but I'll try to dig for it while you answer this next one. Yeah. Um. Next one up, what New England Patriot earned Offensive Rookie of the Year honors in 1995? 95. We didn't sign Drew Bledsoe yet. Did okay, we? Good stuff. Yeah, Drew, we traded. Did we? Yeah, we signed Drew Bledsoe. He wasn't a rookie for us. Would that have been in '95? 
it's too late for Steve Gannon. Um, interesting. It's a t I don't know. Like it is tough, but it's not at the same time. Too 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 early for Corey Dillon. Trying to, now I'm going to skill positions. I don't think it was a quarterback. You're correct. It was not a quarterback. Yeah, I was like, it couldn't be a quarterback. Um, hmm, 95. Not a wide receiver. Actually, no, it wasn't Deion Branch. That's too early for Deion Branch, too. Fuck. Hmm. Let's make this one multiple choice. I have no idea. All right. Terry Glenn, Drew Bledsoe, Leonard Russell, or Curtis Martin? Uh, it was Curtis Martin, wasn't it? That it was. Curtis yeah. Martin. Damn it. I can't believe I didn't get that one on my own. Damn. He was drafted in the third round in 1995. Turned out yeah. to be quite a steal for New England. Yeah. His better years were played for the, for the New York Jets, unfortunately. But, yeah. That is... Yeah, uh, Beatty Feathers rushed for 1,004 yards in 1934. 1934, <laughs> so, damn. Yeah, just never, a couple of years ago. That's that's too old for my my brain. All right. So, oh, goodness. I forgot the wording of this one. And, of course, I didn't screenshot the question because I'm a dingus. It's weird that I feel like a couple of these I've actually seen on... Uh, Thursday night football, like that one full game I watched, the Saints Ravens. I feel like I saw three of these answers on there. Huh. Um, what team won the first night football game ever played? Oh man, yeah, this is. I'm gonna just make this one multiple choice because that's you may not even know that the teams, yeah, existed. Uh, the Chicago Bears. That's probably the one you'd recognize. The Akron Pros, the Philadelphia Athletics, or the Canton Bulldogs. Mm, we'll go with the Canton Bulldogs. I have no idea. It was the Philadelphia Athletics. Mm, yeah, I hadn't heard of that team. I, I'm Wait, not gonna lie. Hold on. I want to read this now. I wish I would have read this beforehand, but I'm gonna read this whole thing and see if I can make any sense of this. Baseball's Philadelphia Athletics, managed by Connie Mack and the Philadelphia Phillies, formed professional football teams in 1902, joining the Pittsburgh Stars in the first attempt at a pro football league named the National Football League. The Athletics won the first night football game ever played 39 to nothing over the. I'm sure you could probably actually read this because mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a New York athletic club. Canna Wiola? Can we athletic club? Uh, I mean, the way yeah. you're butchering that, I have no idea. Texas, probably, not, Texas. probably nowhere close to it, but it was yeah. in 1902. Is it on your phone? Yeah, I'll send it to you. Text, it text, you. text me. Yeah, I was like, I'll look at it that way. You gotta be close to typing right yet. Tim, Tim, Tim. Da, 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 da. Which one was this one? Okay. Last question. Okay. What team drafted Brett Favre? The Atlanta Falcons. There you go. I figured that was going to be the slam dunk. So, so you got uh, five and five. Yeah, you got three. I'll take it. You sniped the Steve Young one a lot easier than I thought you would. I thought the Curtis Martin and the Brett Favre one were going to be pretty easy layups yeah. for you. I dude, I always forget that Curtis Martin played for us. It's always such a weird one. 
It is, yeah, because I – well, there's the fact that he played – he was a little bit better for the Jets afterwards and also that uh, – was there another Curtis Martin that came along? For us? Was, no, 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 just oh, in general. I don't think so. It's the same Curtis maybe Martin. Maybe there was a Curtis Martin before that, I think. Oh, maybe. I thought that he was a guy that had a duplicate name, but hmm. – No, I don't know. Not that I know of. Who knows? All right. Five for five for both of us on trivia. How about it? Yeah, it's a pretty tight race. I like it. Shockingly mediocre. Or uh, not, depending on how you feel about trivia. I don't know. Some of our questions have been, I think, pretty, pretty fucking Yeah, the tough. Philadelphia Athletics. Come on now. Come on. Come <laughs> who on. Won the first, who, were, who won the first night football game in 1902, all right? You fucking <laughs> go fucking better than 500 with those Yeah, yeah. Right? You go ahead and knock that out. That's I, whenever I'd watch Sports Jeopardy, I was always like amazed. I was like, how does anyone know any of these answers? Yeah, agreed. Like, it was just absolutely wild to me that somebody would know some of those stuff. But yeah. It's also hilarious. Some of the just rudimentary ones that we would be able to do in our sleep are like considered like hard trivia questions sometimes. Like, what NFL rookie wide receiver became famous after a one-handed catch on Monday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure everybody can do that. Which NFL team is the only NFL team with only a logo on one side of their helmet, not both? (laughs) The Pittsburgh Steelers. Exactly, yeah. I was like, this is... These are layup layups. Do you know why the Steelers only have one logo on? I feel like I've heard the story before, but I do not remember it. Art Rooney didn't like the fact that they didn't have a logo on there. And he like when he first bought the team. And so he was cheap and only wanted to put a sticker on one side and not on both sides. So he saved money by not putting the sticker on both sides. That's fantastic. I do. I do, I do think I've heard that one, but yeah. I did not remember that. That's that's just such a random one that I was like, interesting. It is. It is very interesting. All right. Let's jump into the headlines. You ready? Bring it on. Let's talk about the Colts firing Frank Wright. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. The firing itself feels weird. I think looking back on it, it will be looked as a mistake. Um, I mean, what's your golden rule when it comes to firing a head coach? Are you going to get somebody better than the guy that you're firing? What's your other golden rule with with firing a head coach and trying to grade if you should have fired them or not? Oh, if they're immediately going to get another head coaching job. Yeah, and and we'll talk about a little bit about that later, but I do think Frank Wright will get hired in this next coaching cycle. I mean, he's, he's more than likely going to get hired. I'd be kind of surprised if he didn't. Um, I mean... I mean, he at the very least, he's going to be an offensive coordinator if he wants to be. You know what I mean? Like, that's really yeah, 100%. up to what he wants. So, but, The firing, I feel like, isn't the bigger part of the story. It's who they brought in to replace him. Yeah. No, I mean, I want to spend some time talking about the firing because what a weird move from a team that's normally been generally pretty stable and typically doesn't make, you know, a lot of, you know, snap judgments. Like this is a move that you would expect, you know, the Jaguars or the lions or um, literally any other team in their division. Yeah. Like you would, you would expect that. Um, but, but not really, uh, you know, not, not, a, not a franchise like the Colts. Um, oh. 
is really kind of the shocker for me uh, that they'd even make a move like that. Frank Wright as a head coach uh, was 40, 33 and one. So 500% winning percentage, not, not bad for an NFL head coach. Um, not at all. No postseason smart kills him. Yeah. With, with, with a, ro- uh, with seven different head uh, quarterbacks along the way. Yeah. So he coached there from 2018 to 2022. So this would have been his fifth season, right? Yep. Yeah. So his fifth season, I uh, made the playoffs uh, three out of his four complete seasons. He obviously probably would have missed it this year. Um, one and two in the playoffs, not great, but he really never had, you know, a true quarterback there is the biggest thing mm-hmm. I'll say. Um, I feel like last year was probably their best shot to make a playoff run and they got shut out in Jacksonville and couldn't even get on the bracket. Yeah. Issue. I mean that or the Philip River. I mean the Philip Philip River looked bad by the end there. Um Yeah, once they got to the playoffs it kind of the the juice ran out in the wild card was the issue with that team. Yeah. I feel like last year they were moving pretty well and then just got buzzsawed by Jacksonville in week 18 and couldn't make the playoffs. Yeah. So I I thought it was a really interesting move. I know they haven't been great this season. They're not out of it is the crazy thing. Like, yeah, they're two games out from this division. Yeah. And we talked about it when they said, hey, we're going to put in Sam Ellinger. And this is a team that he led and they beat the Chiefs this year, right? Like Chiefs are six and two. They're one of the losses was to the Colts. This is a team that you look at the talent on the roster and yeah, is the offensive line overrated? Yes. Are the receivers, you know, do they struggle? Absolutely. Like they don't have a, a true one there. And if they do have a one, Michael Pittman's probably a lower end one would be my guess. He's definitely a guy yep. that I'd rather have it too. Um, but a, a pretty stout defense. And I mean, this team, this team is struggling this year is, is really the only way to put it. Um, 100%. but I'm surprised. I mean, he's got good pedigree. Like he'll probably get another chance just because of the fact that he's in the Andy Reid coaching tree. He's a, a, a generation out of it, but um, yeah. still, still really good. You know, um, still really good pedigree there. I think, I think he'll, he'll eventually be a head coach again. I think he's done enough to, to kind of prove that they have a shot. Um, yeah. He went 10 and six, seven and nine, 11 and five and nine and eight last year. So, I mean, nothing yeah. amazing, but pretty dang With consistent. A starting quarterback every single one of those seasons. Yeah. The the thing that I think I don't like about this is, again, I do think he will be a top. I don't know if he'll be instantly hired this offseason because I do think there are a lot of talented guys that didn't get jobs this last cycle. Right? Yeah. Brian Burns is going to reenter. Or Brian Burns. Uh, Brian Flores, Flores is going to reenter the cycle this year. You'll have Joe I mean, Judge, um, Matt yeah. Patricia. No, I'm just kidding. Dan Quinn. Dan well, Dan Quinn is a legit one. Dan Quinn's ch- legitimate. Yeah. yeah. Dan Quinn, Byron Leftwich, Kellen Moore. Basically we'll s- anybody anybody in Dallas slash Tampa Bay that's not yeah. a head coach currently. Um and you could have some more firings that, that open up some real interesting jobs that would like to bring in Frank Reich. You know, like if Cliff Kingsbury gets fired, I would hire Frank Reich immediately to go to Arizona. Yeah. I would bring him in. Like so I don't know. There's that part, and again, it just with a different quarterback every single year, I don't know how much of a control he had over the roster, say, with Vic Ballard as his GM and Jim Irsay being a usual hands-on owner, in my opinion. Um, yeah. At least a hands-on-the-microphone owner in Jim Irsay. Uh The issue this year was the offensive line, easily. They're a very high, They're a very high-paid group and usually a very highly talented group. Uh, and they just didn't play well. 
Um, I asked Tyler the other day, I was like, is your offensive line banged up or do they just suck? And he was like, we kind of just suck this year. And I was like, all right. Well, I was like, if you feel like Frank Reich's the reason that the offensive line sucks, cool, fire him, right? Because you have Jonathan Taylor. You had Naeem Hines before you traded him at the deadline. Now you have Zach Moss. And you have probably the most talented quarterback you've had since Andrew Luck um, and Matt Ryan. And... Yeah, I mean an Again, older could, a Matt Ryan, not a, not a Matt Ryan in, in his peak, but definitely probably the best quarterback they've had for sure. I, yeah, I would take Matt Ryan over. Definitely, I think I would take him over Philip Rivers. I mean, I think you get a little dicey when you get into what Jacoby Brissett was. I'm a little bit bigger of a Jacoby Brissett guy than most, but I don't know, man. I just I don't know if I look at a Matt Ryan getting sacked 26 times in eight games and Jonathan Taylor averaging like three and a half yards of carry. And be like Frank Reich's problem, yeah. Or everybody is executing on this team except for our head coach. It's just not how it was. And to do it midseason again, when you're two games out of the division, and I don't think Tennessee's that good. Like, so I don't know. Maybe they're looking for the kick in the ass to get them up past Tennessee to make, you know, to make the playoffs. But if so, I don't know if a guy with zero coaching experience in the NFL or at the college level is the guy to do so. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm I, I I'm questioning the move, especially middle of the season. Like this this is a job that you kind of wait. I, I wonder what happens. Does Chris Ballard get another shot? Does he stay in? I, I would imagine probably not. Probably imagine this offseason uh they're gonna probably clear house and, and try to move on from Chris Ballard as well. I mean, I'd be shocked if they kept him after firing Frank Wright. Like that would make no sense. And to me. again, it's just why mid season? I don't understand this because again you get to the offseason, right? Maybe you could poach the enemy or you could poach Kellen Moore. You could poach Bill O'Brien. Bring him in as my OC. Make Jeff Saturday my head coach. Cool, right? Like, I want somebody that has a lot of experience to kind of be there to back Saturday up in this head coaching tree. The Colts willingly fired Frank Reich, hired Jeff Saturday as their head coach, and when this when the move was made, they had five days before they played the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. And they had zero guys on their coaching staff as a whole. Quarterbacks, receivers, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Nobody had called plays at the NFL level ever. And they're like, yeah, just bring Saturday in. Like, yeah, it was. And, and especially with like, if you have head coaches, former head coaches on your staff, like if you're going to make decisions that are, are irrational like this, like you got to like try to balance them out a little bit and try to bring in, you know what I mean? Somebody who has the slightest idea of what what's actually Back happening, up, right? Like, yeah. give Saturday some support. There, I I like I get it. Jeff Saturday is all for the challenge. He had me ready to run through a brick wall. You know when he was talking at his press conference, his opening press conference, and I'm all for it. But it's just it's not gonna. It doesn't. There's nothing good when you're on the outside looking in on this. Like it just doesn't make sense. Did you see did you see the press conference today from today that uh he was he was questioned maybe it was yesterday that he was questioned on you know like do you think you're qualified to be a head coach and like he kind of went off on a little rant and was like you know I'm a leader of men I definitely think I can like lead these men and I was like dude that was not like the question like people legit like wonder like should you be here you know what I mean like yeah. you, ha- you have you've coached high school football you've done no coaching at the NFL level besides playing or college yeah, you you skipped the biggest stepping stone to get here. Like there are two stepping stones to being an NFL head coach, and it is 
being a college head coach or being a high level coordinator at the NFL level. Like that yeah. is how you get an NFL head coaching job. And you have done neither of those things. And now you're sitting here. So like the question is valid of, do you feel like you should be, or do you feel like you're qualified to be here? Right. So I, I, I think it's very valid. I think it's beyond hundred percent. And again, like I don't, I don't really like you can, I can make an argument for it in the off season, right? Yeah. If there are other moves that are made to kind of back this one up, right? Bringing in an experienced offensive coordinator, bringing in maybe like you bring in Mike Zimmer as your DC. Jeff Saturday is my head coach, right? And he's my offensive play caller. Cool, right? I have some type of backup plan support system where it's not all like we're we're dropping Jeff Saturday into right now, and I'm all I love the confidence, right? I'm all for it. I was ready. To, I saw the press conference, kind of hyped me up a bit. I was ready to watch the game this Sunday, and I'm sure that all the players were ready to go out there and play for him on Sunday. The bottom line is, you don't have anybody on that staff that has called plays at the NFL level before, and I just it you're you're dropping a guy with zero coaching experience into the middle of a three and five season which is well in hand for them to win the division, right? They're two games back with Sam Ellinger as his quarterback with Matt Ryan out for the foreseeable future. And Jonathan Taylor's banged up. Your offensive line is playing the worst that it's ever played while also being the highest paid that it's been in the last five years as well. Bring Jeff Saturday as, you know, like an offensive line Guru. coach or an offensive Give him, give him like the, you know the Brian Flores title. He's an offensive consultant or offensive line consultant. You know whatever. Like, bring him onto the staff for the rest of the year, right? Like, week eight, Jeff Saturday hired as Colts offensive assistant, and then you fire Frank Reich in the offseason. You move Saturday up to the head coach. Cool, right? You get him in the building for the second half of the year. Maybe they can make a turnaround through this season with Frank Reich as head coach. Whatever, just none of it lines up. Like well, everything happened the way it did, and it just it doesn't look good at all. The biggest thing that I'll say to this is, um, if imagine if we were dropping Jeff Saturday onto the Cowboys head coaching spot, right, where you have a Dan Quinn who's a really qualified defensive coordinator. He's been a head coach. He's called plays before, and then you have Kellen Mond on the other side who's called plays for the Cowboys for a long time. You know what I mean? Like if if you were dropping him into a better scenario. I think with people, you know, who are either former head, head coaches or have at least called plays and he could kind of be the CEO kind of head coach. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could be the leader of men head coach at that yeah. point, right? I'm cool. I'm all for you leading men, sir. But somebody's got to fucking call the plays around here. All yeah. right. Like, <laughs> do you so, even have a playbook at this point? Like, it, it's going to be a lot of picking up the pieces at this point of like trying to. I mean, they're going to probably keep the offense the same and the defense the same. And and run it the way that it is, you know, like I think yeah. uh, I, I don't think there's a, an opportunity to change much there. So, yeah, and it hasn't worked through nine games. So, again, if Saturday can come in and completely turn this offensive line around, I do think the Colts have a real shot to not only make the playoffs, but to win the division and maybe even win a playoff game in the wild card, depending on the matchup. Right. Like, I do think this team is talented enough to do so. I don't think this is a talent question for the Colts in the long run. As far as Super Bowl contenders, yes, it's a talent question. As far as winning their division and making the playoffs, it's an execution question to me, 100%. Because if you can run the ball effectively and become then 
play action offense after that because you've built such a heavy run game like we saw last year behind an offensive line that was a top three unit, this team can win this division. And the issue is, is that the talent hasn't changed outside of the quarterback position. The execution has. So if Jeff Saturday can come in and get this offense to start clicking again, I think they have a decent chance. But again, if there's ever been a guy that's, you know, been hired and started three steps behind go it's Jeff Saturday. Yeah. I mean, the NFL experience is probably pretty unmatched, so you got to give them credit for that, but it's, it's about converting that, right? We got to see it translate, right? We see guys with a lot more experience, like, uh, you know, an urban Meyer type who it never translated, right? Like it never mm. clicked to an NFL level. And that's, that's the problem is like, it's very hard to have the vision to see this translating into success yeah. for, for the Colts. So the, the uh, two best college coaches of the last 20 years, urban Meyer and Nick Saban did not succeed at the NFL level. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just tough to look at a guy that doesn't have any coaching experience. And like Jim Ursay is like, I'm glad he doesn't, you know, that means he doesn't have any bad habits, right? He doesn't I'm like, yeah, but he also has no fucking idea what he's getting himself into. Yeah. And you're not giving him a clean slate. He's three and five with a quarterback who started two games. Yeah. It it's it makes it makes little to no sense to me. Yeah. Not not a fan. It could work, but it's it's gonna be an uphill battle for sure. For sure. Um next let's talk about uh OBJ. There's a lot of talks and a lot of rumblings that uh you know he might end up in Dallas. What are your what are your thoughts and feelings on that? I mean, the possibility is real, obviously. Um, there would be very few stages that would be smaller for him to to prove it, right? I think he proved it enough in L.A. for me to get another contract. The issue is he got injured, right? Like a big, longer, longer-term contract, not another prove-it deal in L.A. Um, but there would be a little stage bigger than in Dallas, really, other than the fact that Dallas might not go super far in the playoffs, right? But with OBJ there, maybe maybe they do. I think he walks in and immediately becomes the number one wide receiver on that team, in my opinion, talent-wise. Uh, maybe not in the offense right away, but, I mean, he was a difference maker for the Rams last year. And and if, if you could give out a, a Super Bowl MVP trophy right at the play before he tore his ACL, it would have went to him. He was yeah. – tearing it up in the first half before he went down. He was literally the only reason that the Rams had a lead in the first half. So I, I would, I would like to see the move for his career. Cause I do think that it would allow him to come in and be the one. Whereas like KC may be a bigger stage. Cause we'd get to watch him longer, right? Like KC probably makes a little bit of deeper of a run. I like their odds of making a super bowl better than I like Dallas's, but is he going to be the one guy? Like is I, I think he would obviously right, but you obviously still have Kelsey there. They have been spreading the targets around a little bit more, right? Are they going to go back to the Hill Kelsey offense with OBJ at that point, or do they keep spreading the ball around? You know, it's there's a lot more questions. Whereas you drop him in Dallas, I think he's the one. You let CD be the probably one of the most, if not the most talented two in the league on the other side of him, and we got playmakers all over the field. And if that team, if they do land OBJ and this offense as it is right now stays healthy, 
and they do not make the NFC title game and damn near win the NFC title game, Mike McCarthy deserves to be fired at that point. Interesting. I I don't know what else. I don't know what more you could need. This defense has been playing lights out through nine games. You have probably the best young defensive player in the league in Michael Parsons. You have one of the other best. Trayvon Diggs has had a really good year this year. Coverage-wise, he's not allowing as many yards. He's played a lot better. Obviously, the picks are down, but it's because he's playing more sound football. He's being a more well-rounded corner. So the defense is playing lights out, and you can't tell me that a healthy offense with a, with a solid O-line, Dak Prescott, Zeke, Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz, OBJ, and CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup back healthy, and this team doesn't make an NFC title game is is kind of crazy to me. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think they have more experience than the Eagles do in the long run. I was about to say, and the NFC is pretty wide open too. That would be the one yeah. thing. I I think from OBJ's standpoint, though, the Cowboys are a great fit, right? Like they should one hundred percent be on the short list of a really competitive team, another team that he might be able to help elevate, take him to that Super Bowl level. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't have to have the full weight load on him, right? Like if he no. were to go to a you know place like the Giants, a, a lot of pressure would be on him to perform. If he comes to a team like the Cowboys, they've got other weapons, right? They have a lot of options to him. Um, Dak's been playing well this year. So, I, I mean, if I'm OBJ, I'm looking at that. I'm like, this is a really interesting team to try to sign with. What Outside of the Cowboys, what team do you, would you like to see OBJ on? What that you teams, think OBJ will actually sign with, by the way? Um, it's a great question. I have another sleeper team that I find really interesting. Mm, let me think here. Actually, go ahead. Who's your sleeper team? Oh, 49ers. Great. So Awesome a, pick. An, another team that's in it. You know what I mean? Probably, you know, I don't like it, it's tougher there because they really like some of the pieces they have. I can't think of their young receiver there. Um, Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk, thank you. Um, he's actually played pretty well this year. So, like, they're not like desperate for the help, but adding Christian McCaffrey kind of says, hey, we're going all in. We're trying to make that move. We're trying to be aggressive. Like, mm-hmm. that's a team that I think makes a lot of sense, too, that he'd probably slide in. You know what I mean? Could run some trick plays. Like, imagine that. They got three guys on the field at once that can all throw a touchdown pass. Like, that's kind of crazy, right? Like, that it is. is that, that would be a very – and and you look at that Kyle Shanahan offense and he looks what he's done for McCaffrey and he goes, man, maybe I want to be a part of that. Maybe that's what I need in my life to kind of elevate me and take me to the next level. Yeah, I look at McCaffrey, Odell, and Debo and probably think I have the three most talented playmakers – the the most talented trio of playmakers you could ever have on the football field outside of the quarterback position. Yeah. That is absolutely ridiculous levels of trickery and – and talent that you can have inside a Shanahan scheme that would be absolutely ridiculous. The issue I think that I have now with all the other fits is every team that needs a wide receiver at this point, isn't a contender outside of Baltimore. Yeah. And every other team that's a contender doesn't really need a receiver. He wouldn't super shine in the, he'd go to Buffalo. He's going to be the two. Right, and he's he'll be the three on certain days behind the the two games a year that Gabe Davis pops off. He's going to be the three, yeah. And then he can go to KC, but again, I don't think he'll get lost in a room with Juju and Marquez Valdez Scanling and all those guys. But like again, they've been spreading the ball out a lot more, right? You're not yeah. going to 
It's not like you're going to be there week one and they could run the Tyreek Hill playbook with you, right? They figured out how to do it without Hill. I doubt they go back to that playbook now. Green Bay is not in the running. I don't think even if Tampa Bay doesn't need a receiver, Arizona doesn't need a receiver. Seattle doesn't need a receiver. So I think the thing I saw when, when the chiefs traded for Kadarius Tony, I was like, man, they must not want OBJ or they don't think they can get him. Like one of the two things happening there. Um, And I don't know how likely he is to join a fringe team, right? Like, yeah, I like, I don't like, why would he want to go to, to a Tennessee? Why would he want to go to, you know, a Patriots or a Jets, right? Like that doesn't, I don't think any of those are fits at all for him that make, you know, any sense of, you know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, realistically, I think for him, you know, it's Dallas. I think the giants should be on that list for him. You know what I mean? Another team that, I mean, he's going to come in and, and have a heavy workload there. There's a reunion factor at play there as well, yeah. obviously. And I wouldn't take the Rams off the table by any means. Like I'm not, I'm not counting them out. So I, I am. I think just the way that it all played out last year, and just the way that it's played out even this year. Like they're like, he's like, I would have signed if they would have given me anything but the minimum offer. And then their GM in week six or week four, whenever it was, like he hasn't heard our final offer. I'm like, then why the fuck haven't you like, why haven't you put the offer in like? <laughs> fucking send it like where's right. the what? what's the hesitation here like if you're so confident that you want him back on your team why are you waiting for other teams to bid on him before you throw the offer out like right what you're saying is that you don't want to have to pay too much right you don't want to give the guy five million if nobody else is going to give him three like if you want him back that bad then you take the bidding process out of it so i don't think I, I, I can't fully count the Rams out, but in my opinion, they should be out because of the way that they've handled the situation. He came in, did everything that he did last year for them, and added a whole new dimension to the offense. And again, like we said, was pivotal to them taking advantage in the first half of the Super Bowl before he tore his ACL for them. Yeah, And they offered the fucking minimum after that. I'm not going, I wouldn't go back to that team. Fuck off. I just tore my ACL in the Super Bowl after changing the trajectory of your season, and I helped you win a Super Bowl. I tear my ACL and shorten my career for this team, and you're going to turn around and offer me the minimum contract? Fuck off. I don't want to hear you. Leave me alone. I will play elsewhere. I'll go play in fucking Jacksonville before I come back and play here. I don't care. Yeah, it so, was, wasn't a very good move by the Rams for sure. That no. was, Yeah, that wouldn't be the, the move that I would have made. It's it, it's it was frustrating as a football fan to watch a guy do that, uh, to watch a guy come in and do what he did for that team, and for them to just turn around and just, eh, fucking here's two and a half for a year. I still think Baltimore's on the table. Obviously, the fit isn't super great. I do love the aspect of like what we've been doing with Devin Duvernay this year, to be able to to get, you know, that type of playmaker in the offense would be awesome. And I think him and Lamar would gel really well on and off the field. I would really like it. But again, it's just trying to get a superstar receiver in Baltimore is going to be near impossible. So, yeah. Well, they're going to look at the production that the one guys get out there and they're going to say, I have no interest in that. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, not hundred percent. Unless you're on a long-term deal, like why would you want to go there, right? Like it's not not something that's gonna ever elevate you and take you to that next level. So, yeah. To put it into perspective, Hollywood was ninth in targets last year and didn't feel like he was utilized enough in Baltimore's ninth in targets in the entire NFL last year. 
yeah. didn't didn't feel like it, did it, right? It still feels like the run-heavy offense. We didn't use our weapons enough. So, yeah, Baltimore, again, I don't think is ever off the table when it comes to the wide receiver conversation. The issue is, is they're going to have to trade for somebody at the end of the day. I don't think – I mean, it's going to take the the selfless player to come in and want to elevate. It's going to take the Mark Ingram of the wide receiver world to come in and, and play in Baltimore. And there's not many of those guys around, and all the guys that exist like that are Deshaun Jackson. They're 35 years old. so Yeah. All right, next one we got. Let's let's do a little little bit talking about the Russell Russell Wilson versus the Seahawks beef. Um, you know, we've seen it out come out in a couple instances. We've seen Pete Carroll say, you know, it's nice to not have to call plays off the wristband, which is just such a weird offhand comment to make in general. To be honest with you, hundred um, percent is very weird to me. That one was interesting. The one that I thought was a little bit more meaningful to me was the fact that Tyler Lockett was, you know, it's nice. It doesn't matter who gets the credit now when we win. And yeah. I was kind of blown away by that. Um, Tyler Lockett, not the most, you know, outgoing, trash talky kind of guy um, yeah. from what from what his past has shown us. Mm-hmm. And for him to come out and say that, I was like, man, there must have been deep locker room problems in Seattle before Russ left. Yeah, I've got to give props to anyone that's played in Seattle from like 2013 to last year because the fact that not not only did like we have little like we had zero idea that there was anything wrong ever, right? Like Russell Wilson was the model quarterback, he's the guy you wanted. You build around him, he's a winner, he brought you a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. This guy is just, he does it right, and it's the guy that you want leading your team. And now he leaves, and we're having, you know, guys that were teammates last year, right? Current players on the Seahawks. We're having former teammates, Hall of Fame level former teammates that were all part of that defense. And Marshawn Lynch himself were just, you know, like, it was not what it was at all. Right? Yeah. And what a weird comment from those two, too. I don't know if you saw that podcast. Yeah, they're talking about that on the podcast. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we'd love to reach out to Russ, but we know we're going to have to go through his management. Like, what? Like, that's so here's crazy. The thing. the thing that is crazy. Yeah, it's. I think it's absolutely ridiculous for Marshawn Lynch or Richard Sherman to have to go through Marshawn's eight or to go through Russell Wilson's agent to get a hold of him right now. But people were saying that, like, even when they were teammates, that's like unless they caught him in the building, like if it was the off season, they had to go through his agent to get to him there. I have no idea if that's one hundred percent true or not. If so, absolutely insanity. I cannot imagine, like, be especially on the offense. Like, imagine being Doug Baldwin and be like, "Hey, do you want to go uh, throw around this off season and try to get some extra work in?" And he's like, "You got to like." Obviously, he's not saying you have to go through my agent at that point, but like, being a receiver. And having to go through someone's fucking agent to get an off-season workout with your own quarterback, that's fucking insanity if that's the case. Like, think about it from the other end, right? Like, Tom Brady built a facility in Montana with a football field on it so he could take wide receivers in the off-season to Montana so they could just go and practice. Like, like. And he would invite guy like, and they built guest bedrooms and everything like that. And they could bring their families with guest house. Like, like he built facilities around like, Hey, let's try to get together. Let's get some work. Brady let Antonio Brown stay at his house in Florida when they were teammates in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Like and- guys have done 
That's crazy. It's the crazy. complete opposite end of that spectrum. So it's absolutely nuts to me. Even now, again, like Marshall Lynch should not have to go through anybody's agent to get a hold of a former teammate. Yeah. At all. There's not a single guy out there. That is fucking bizarre to me. And I think that's the biggest revelation of the situation. Love him. Hate him. Somewhere in the middle. Russell Wilson's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the bottom line. I mean, he really, too, like, it makes you wonder when, if this is how you behaved in a locker room that you were really established in, like, how is that transition coming into the Denver locker room, right? Like, clearly not a very, you know, it didn't leave a lot of good taste in people's mouth when he left yeah, Seattle. How do you build connection with his new teammates now? Yeah, like, especially with the amount of ego that he has and everything like that. It just doesn't seem like it would be... It's like a, a massive uh, ego issue. Yeah. You're doesn't, walking into a locker room of, of 50... of. Of 40 to 52 guys that all know each other and have played together for at least a year or six months or whatever. Yeah. And you're just like, hey, guys, if you guys want to talk to me, uh, this is my agent's phone number. Here it is. I'll leave it on the whiteboard for you. Like, <laughs> go, go ahead and get in touch with him. And if you're lucky, we'll be back to you in two to six weeks. You're like, huh? Yeah, two to six business days, I'll get back to you. Like, yeah, it makes no it's sense. It's just bizarre. Like, you can't, first of all, no NFL player should that ever be sustainable. Defensive tackle, right guard, cornerback, definitely not the fucking quarterback. You are the leader of this locker room. There is a reason I gave you $280 million, and it is to come in and culture shock this team, get us to a winning format, because we've got the talent, we just haven't been able to get the job done. You're supposed to come in and rally us all around you and the success you've had and push us to the next level, not come in, hope everybody puts you on a pedestal and everyone will follow you just because you've been there before. Like it's ridiculous. Makes little to no sense to me. Um, Let's talk about the Josh Allen injury. Um, Josh is going through some, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. His UCL. He strained his UCL, which is in in your elbow, right? Yeah, when that's torn, that's Tommy John surgery for baseball. Mm-hmm. So so when you strain it, obviously it's a lot less serious than tearing it, but it's kind of a a big deal, especially in your throwing arm. Um yeah, it puts them in kind of a really tough spot here of of having to decide, you know, do we sit them out for a couple games? Do we play them? I don't I don't think anyone I haven't been able to find anyone saying whether he's at a high or low risk of, you know, re-injuring if he, you know, plays through it or anything like that. Um I mean, the Bills are in a really tough spot here, right? Like they are not they don't have some of the luxury that, you know, if you're the Eagles or I mean the Eagles maybe aren't the best example, but like Tennessee or some of these other teams where, you know, the division there's a little bit of a gap there. Like they've got a lot of teams right on their heels right like um the jets are sitting there at six and three a game back the miami dolphins are six to three in a game back and then the patriots are five and four and they're two games out right like that shows how crazy tight that division is right now um and you you got to be smart you got to make a decision that's going to be best for your team um in the long run and for the season right you don't want to you don't want to throw away this season uh just because you know josh is hurt but they've got to try to find a way to stay competitive and 
this is where you go, man. Case Keenum's your backup. Like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, why haven't we? Why don't we try to make a move to bring in a better backup? I know they used to have Mitch, but um, I wouldn't be shocked if they sit him for a little bit. They do have somewhat of an easy stretch coming up. The Vikings, the, they have the Vikings this week, um, not in prime time. So you're going to get the best of Kirk Cousins there. So that's going to be, you know, a little bit of a tougher matchup. But then after that, it lightens up a lot. They go Browns, Lions, Patriots. Um, so they have a nice little two game stretch there where it's. Yeah, I was like, know, it's going to be. Luckily, it's not jam packed division games there, right? Like they'd yeah. be kind of screwed if it was like Vikings, Dolphins, Patriots, Dolphins. Like, well, yeah. I'm like, you got to play them. Like, and um so i would think about sitting them for those three weeks because after that though you go patriots jets dolphins bears Bengals, patriots to end out the season so yeah so my here's my issue um firstly i know we kind of talked about this beforehand i think i know that they haven't had the success doing this in the past if you truly believe yourself to be not only a Super Bowl contender, but a Super Bowl favorite. You have to have the willingness to be uncomfortable, right? You have to be able to go to Baltimore in January or go to Kansas City, go to Tennessee if it, if it so happens to play out, right? Like you, you not, you're not going to have, you know, the one seed every single year in the AFC. It's not going to happen because there's a guy who wears red and wears number 15 in Kansas city. Who's damn sure going to be pretty damn close to that one seed for the rest of his career. All right. So you're not going to get the one seed every year. If you're Buffalo, it's not going to happen. You have to be able to go on the road and win playoff games. And this is to me, this is a test year because the issue is, is if you play through this, right? First of all, you're not playing at hundred percent. There's a good chance that you may have a better shot to beat some of these teams with case Keenum, than a 70% Josh Allen, right? Because the offense might change a bit. You may be more conservative and play calling here and there. Teams are going to come after you in different ways because they know that you may be limited. You may not be able to push the ball 80 yards down the field like you usually do. Maybe it cuts your range to 50, right? They don't have to play as deep. We're not worried about going all the way over the top because he can't throw the ball as far as he used to, right? The other issue that I'm worried about is I don't think the window cl- – I know they have some older defensive guys, right? Von Miller's a little bit up there in age. Their safeties and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde aren't getting any younger as the years go on. But I don't think Buffalo's window closes after this year. Um, and, I, again, I I wish we had more info on the whole re-injury or chance of tearing if he plays through it kind of information. But we've seen Tommy John ruin pitchers' careers. Like, guys have gotten that surgery and have – not only never been the same, not even the same atmosphere as what they were before that surgery. So if he plays through this and tears it, I'm not saying that Josh Allen is going to turn into Jamarcus Russell or anything insane like that. But Tommy John surgery is not something that you just like look at the normal slate of of surgeries and you're perfectly okay with, especially not a quarterback. It's just it's one of those things that you're not super confident and, and getting it back, right? It's the Achilles injury in basketball. You lose a step. The explosiveness isn't the same afterwards, right? And for a guy, I wouldn't say relies on pushing the ball 80 yards down the field first, but it's a very large part of his game and what makes him so dynamic. 
that Tommy John surgery might ruin Josh Allen's career, right? And we're talking about this guy is, at worst, the second most talented quarterback we've possibly ever seen in the National Football League behind Patrick Mahomes. And on some days, he is the best, and he is the most talented. So I'm not risking this year's Super Bowl for what could be the next 10 years of me competing because I'm worried about not being able to have the one seed in the 2022-2023 playoffs. That is my personal take. And again, they've struggled on the road in the playoffs, right? They went into KC and they lost two years ago. We've seen most teams have struggled when they've had to go on the road through the AFC. Patrick Mahomes struggled his first year when he had to go on the road. He's been at home ever since, and they've done well ever since. So... But again, I think if you're going to be that team, you've got to be able to go into hostile territory and get a win every once in a while. Because I'll tell you this, if Joe Flacco couldn't win a playoff game in the road, Baltimore doesn't ever win a Super Bowl. Hell, they don't even fucking make the AFC title game ever. And they made three with Joe Flacco at the helm. So if you feel like you've got a chance to contend every single year, I don't think you risk it for a four-game stretch this year it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me yeah i mean i i think you think long term here and you know you give up a loss to the vikings and then hope case keenum can get you through the browns and lions and then reevaluate right like yeah, can at least hopefully get you to one and two hopefully two and one through this yeah. game stretch yeah and and that's you know best case scenario or worst case scenario right there is you know if you come out with one or two you know wins there you're really really happy with how it came out uh, and you keep plugging forward and, and hopefully he's ready for um, and he's ready for your divisional games. And then you guys yeah. can go on a hot streak and, and still make the playoffs. So, um, and there's a chance they go three and oh, it took the Vikings down to two minutes last week to beat the commanders with Taylor Heineke last week. All right. Like this Vikings team is six and one, but they're not a super strong six and one. No, they're as, like as talented the- as they are. They have been, the record is above where we thought they would. Well, I, I think we were both kind of high on them, but like we were. the record is above expectations. How they've gotten there, and like if you look at the spread and the situation for each game, under expectations all year, in my opinion. Um. So, and Case Keenum isn't terrible. Like, yeah, you could probably have a better backup quarterback in the wings, but he's a guy that's had success before. Um, we'll see if he can spark the magic. He's definitely got a talented offense and a and a good offensive scheme as well to play with. But I don't know, man. I think you got a winning lottery ticket. I think you look at Josh Allen's career, and there's got to be at least one Super Bowl in there, right? If not more than one. There's. I feel like there's got to. It's hard to guarantee the Super Bowl, right? But if there's ever been a quarterback that I feel like is guaranteed to win one. It's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, right? Patty's delivered one, and I think he's probably got a couple more on the horizon. I I got to think that Josh puts you in the best spot to win one, and I'm not going to risk this year for for the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, I I really I think uh, I I think the biggest question is is like, can Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have that Tom Brady Peyton Manning type rivalry for the next you know ten to fifteen years, really? Um, and you don't want to risk it all now and end up losing out on, uh, don't want to end up losing out on that. So I, I would no. sit him and, and then, you know, kind of reevaluate after that, but I don't, I don't think they will. I think he'll be rearing. I think he's, 
despite not practicing all week, he's going to be fighting to play this week. And I, it's going to be, that's the only thing about these super talented guys is they want to play. Josh Allen wants to be on the field. I can tell you that if Josh Allen had his way, he'd be on the field against the Vikings. He'd be on the field in the next two games and he'd be ready to go for those divisional games. But I think you've got to look at the future of your franchise and you got to tell Josh Allen to calm the fuck down for at least this week, if not two to three. Yeah. Going forward. All right. You ready to t- jump into pump the brakes there? Bring it on, guy. All right. First one I got for you. Frank Wright will be a head coach next year. I'm not going to pump the brakes. I do think you will. Um, again, it all kind of depends on how many jobs open up around the league and who's going to be a candidate for said jobs, right? I do think there are some really talented guys that are going to be available in this cycle, right? We talked about Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, Byron Leftwich, uh, Brian Flores will probably be in this cycle. Yep. Brian Flores, Flores obviously is will in be out there. Now. Yeah. And then that, I mean, that's just the NFL guys I could think of off the top of my head, right? They're going to be NFL guys that are fired that could join this pool. They're going to be college coaches that may try to move up. And there may be some some offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators that people may try to go after, right? Because I don't think any – we weren't sitting here at week nine last year and be like, Nathaniel Hackett's definitely a head coach next year, 100%, right? True. That's That was one of those guys that kind of came out of the woodworks and, and stole a job last year. I, Same thing with Eberflus in Chicago. The one thing I'll, I'll comment on that you said there, I think this is the year that we see very few, if any, college coaches get pulled up. I would um, agree with you. There's too much talent right now. Well, it, not even, I mean, there's too much talent, at least NFL or college coaches with no NFL pedigree, I should say. Um, yeah, that I can, I was like the one guy I'm thinking of is Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Like, yeah, like Jim Harbaugh, back up. Uh, Bill O'Brien. Um, like I could see him coming back up, but guys with no NFL experience, I think are going to have a long wait to try to get, that jump into the NFL because I think Matt rule was a disaster. Urban Meyer has been a disaster. I think guys with that lack of NFL kind of experience, I, I just don't see them wanting to make that jump. Right. And, and I even think like, I mean, I think Matt rule was an assistant coach, you know, position coach of some kind in the NFL. But I think like, if you haven't been at least an offensive coordinator or a head coach previously in the NFL, I think it's going to be a long time before you try to make that jump back up. Like, the days of uh, uh, what's Penn State's coach? What's his name? Um, well, Franklin, God. James Franklin. Franklin, James, James Franklin, James Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. When James Franklin, if he wanted to make that jump, I think it's going to be a heck of a lot harder now um, for him to try to get an NFL job just because I think teams are going to be more resistant or more, you know, have more. Uh, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Resistance, I guess, um, to want to bring up a guy like that. So, um I think you'll see a big pool of NFL coaches too. So I think, I think it's just going to be tough. I hundred percent agree with you. All right. Next one. We got Jordan love. will start for the Packers this year. Oh goodness. I think this is, yeah, I can't put the brakes here. I do think he's going to start at least one game this year. Um, I think uh, if nothing else, I mean, there are rumors that, you know, if, the Packers lose two or three of their next couple games that they're going to sit him. They're going to sit Rogers and start love. I think we're a best case scenario, a case of the COVID toe. We'll get Aaron Rodgers for a game or two this year. 
Um, I think he'll hit a breaking point where he's like, I just, my fucking toe hurts. I don't just keep me off the fucking field. I don't want to play this week. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a well-documented, not the best teammate in the world sometimes. And I think he will weasel his way out of a game or two best case scenario. If the team doesn't shut him down and, and try to figure out exactly what they have in Jordan love, um, which I think is super unfair to Jordan love. Um, but that's kind of the, the shot you get. You have to take it, and he's going to have to take it when his number gets called this year. All right, back with a couple technical difficulties there. Sorry, we had a little program freeze. But, I mean, they have to figure out what happens with Jordan Love, right? Like, if they're in a spot where they're not going to make the playoffs, you got to figure out what Jordan Love's worth, right? Put him on the field. He plays well. You can either decide from there, hey, we want to keep him, or you've just created an asset that you can then trade for more pieces. And then why would you trot out your 38-year-old quarterback to – have more wear and tear on him right why would you let him have more sacks more throws more hits on his body that's just not something that that you really want to see from him um so i think it makes sense on both ends for both sides there yeah i feel like it's uh it's kind of a shit situation for jordan love to fall into uh if an offense can't succeed with aaron Rodgers at the helm uh going to be a tough road for Jordan Love to try to have that team succeed afterwards, but who knows? I mean, you see what happened when uh, the Seahawks traded in Russell Wilson for Geno Smith and where they're at now, so we've seen crazier things happen, but uh, I do think Jordan Love will definitely probably start a game or two for the Packers at least this year. Yeah, I think I think you got to see him at some point. All right, what is your favorite team looking out on the outside for the AFC? Um, I'll give you a couple options here. Do, 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 once it loads, you've got the Patriots at the eight seed, the Bengals at the nine seed, and the Colts as well. Which team do I like the most? To a team that's on the outside of the playoffs, what AFC team do you like on the outside right now to make the playoffs? The Bengals, I think, uh, pretty handily. Okay. I'm not a super huge fan of the Bengals, but when I compare them to those two other teams, the Colts just fired their head coach and have hired a guy with zero coaching experience. We've talked about Jeff Saturday, why we feel like that experiment's not going to go super well, at least right out the gate. As far as the Patriots go, quarterback controversy a couple weeks ago. I mean, we still, obviously, I think that's all kind of settled down and we've kind of figured that out. But if you're going to ask me, you know, which off obviously, if it was a head to head game, I'd probably take the Patriots because I think that Bill Belichick and the guy with red sleeves would just scheme nine sacks over over that offensive line of Cincinnati and just put Joe Burrow six feet underground. But we saw him get sacked nine times in Tennessee last year, and they still won the game. Um, so the Bengals, a little bit more dynamic. They've done it before. Obviously, that's assuming Jamar Chase gets back to 100% come playoff time. I would take the Bengals out of those three teams. Yeah. I mean, we're in an interesting spot because I like the Bengals too. I just think the North is so hard. Um, it is. You know what I mean? Uh, outside of Pittsburgh, there's really not just a free win. And we get Deshaun Watson back soon. That's like one of the things that everybody's kind of forgotten about that. He's not that far away from coming back and playing this season. He's back so, next week. I want to say it's week 11. Week. Maybe maybe it's yeah. it was an eleven week. But she's back week twelve. Like it's um, within the next two weeks. I want to say. 
Yeah. So I think Cleveland gets a lot harder with that. So like, and, and New England's division isn't any easier, right? The Jets are not a cakewalk this year. Miami is not a cakewalk this year. Um, right now, the AFC East has two teams in. Um, so, which is, or three teams in, excuse me. The Bills, Jets, and Miami are both sitting in a playoff spot right now, which is just wild to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never would have guessed in a million years that the Jets would be vying for a playoff spot at this point. It's just, I don't, I don't even know how to react to that, but, um, no, I think, I think it's, it's an interesting debate because at this point in the season, I don't think, you know, the jets, the dolphins or the Chargers. I don't think all three of those, I think all three of those teams, any of them could have a major collapse at any moment and go on a four game losing streak. And now they're out of the playoffs. So, um, I know there's been a lot of call for Brandon Staley's job, but man, if they make the playoffs this year, I think it's tough to fire him. Um, if they miss the playoffs, though, he's one of those guys that I think could get fired pretty quickly. And that's, again, an offense that I think looks to hire a win-now coach. And I think Frank yeah. Reich would be in, in a top spot for that job pretty quickly. That would be a really interesting fit, too. I really like that. All right. We're going to do the same thing. Favorite team on the outside looking in in the NFC to make it in. Gets a little bit harder. Um just because of uh, the quality of team is slightly lesser in the NFC on the outside. Um, Washington commanders are a game out. Atlanta Falcons are a game out and the Rams are also a game out. Jesus. Yeah. The seventh. Yeah. It's, it's a tough pool. The San Francisco 49ers are four and four at the seventh seed right now. God. Well, obviously they'd be the pick. Uh, if they were in the running, is Tampa Bay on the outside looking in right now? No, they're they, they're leading the division, aren't they? They're 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 leading the division. They're four and five. They're oh, currently sitting at the four seeds. Yeah, damn it, Tampa Bay. Why couldn't you just fucking make it easy for me? Um, man. I'm gonna surprise some people with this one. I like uh, I like the commanders here out of the three, which is extremely ridiculous to say, but uh, I don't like the Falcons a ton. Um, Arthur Morgan is such a weird offensive mind. Somehow has, has unlocked this ridiculous potential in a 31-year-old Cordell Patterson but can't utilize the 6'4 tight end who runs a 4'4 that they drafted with the eighth o- fourth overall pick two years ago in Kyle Pitts. Um, and Marcus Mariota is is stale unproven as far as that you know success goes. The Rams are the obvious should-be pick, but have collapsed time and time again. And I think... The offensive line is just such a downfall. I think it's so difficult to look at a rough shot offensive line, and I think they've probably been the worst offensive line so far this year, in my opinion, um, if not a very close second to the Indianapolis Colts. Here's the thing with the commanders. Um, I think his team's a little fired up. I think they got more heart than the Rams do. And I think if, if one of these teams is going to make the playoffs, that's what it's going to take. They're going to have to fight for it. I think 
the logic probably says the Rams because they probably have the best shot at winning the division of these three teams. Well, I guess the Falcons probably do, but the Rams, as far as talent, probably have the best shot at winning their division in a close division, whereas the Commanders are looking up at the Eagles and they're looking up at Dallas and they're looking up at the Giants. Uh, a massive uphill battle, but you can say what you want about Taylor Heineke. You could say he's not a franchise quarterback. You could say that he he can't win NFL games. You can put any knock you want to on this guy. The bottom line is that Taylor Heineke wins football games for the Washington Commanders here and there. Um, like sure. I said, it, it took the Vikings down to two minutes to put the Commanders away last week. Right, We saw this guy pull off playoff magic against Tom Brady. This guy was in study hall in fucking college, studying for one of his college classes when the commanders had two quarterbacks go down. And they're like, hey, man, we got a playoff game in Tampa Bay next week. Uh, You're the next guy in line. I need you to go play a game against Tom Brady in the playoffs. And Crazy. Crazy. It was a, I think it was within within a possession game, if a, if not like a 10-point game. And it was it was close through some of the we saw some Heineke magic in that game too. Like I don't know what it is. Like it's it's ridiculous to look at Matthew Stafford, Marcus Mariota, and Taylor Heineke and say that at this point in time, I might believe the most of Taylor Heineke out of those three guys. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it Am is, I overrating the commanders and underrating the Rams? 110%. You not a doubt. Am I going to look like an idiot in eight weeks when the Commanders lose the next seven games? Hundred <laughs> percent. But I don't the, care. The crazy thing to me is I like the NFC to kind of stay where it's at a lot more than I like where the AFC is to stay at. Right? I like, agree. Yeah. The only team that's in the top seven right now that scares me is the Giants. Really. Yeah. Um, and and that's I mean the Giants have played well and they've been competitive and they fought hard but. I mean, they've got a lot of division games left this year, and their division is freaking good. So yeah, it's very good. It's, it's going to be intriguing to see kind of how they hold up. There, I I want to say they've only played the Cowboys once, um, and they're only one in that. So I mean, they they've got they've got a good challenge in front of them. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that that ends up playing out. But yeah, that's boy, the NFC is just wild right now. It is absolutely insane to say the least. You added this next one I got for you. Um, Kyle Pitts is a bust. I wanted a chance to talk about this um, because I, I've, I've, I think I wouldn't say I've seen enough. Um, I think Kyle Pitts is becoming a bust at this point. And it has 0% to do with what Kyle Pitts is or what Kyle Pitts can do on a football field. Um, it's just a scheme at this point, man. You cannot take a tight end. Forget the top four. Forget the top ten. Like You could barely take a tight end in the first round these days and – like pass it off as a, as a super great move because the usage has to be there, right? The position has changed. And unless you really have that game changer, you're they're just, they're kind of a, a non-factor more often than not. Like if you were to list off the four best tight ends, right? Like we talk about the four best tight ends when healthy in the league all the time, right? Mark Andrews was the third round pick. 
I want to say Travis Kelsey was a, a second or a third round pick. George Kittle was a third or a fourth round pick. Darren Waller was a sixth round pick. None of those guys were. I think TJ Hawkinson is probably the guy that maybe you start to float around five around like the Dallas Goddard. It's where it gets a little muddy. TJ Hawkinson yeah. was taken in the first, right? Like, if you are going to take a guy at four, right? And I think Kyle Pitts had the talent to go at four. I, I don't think it was a ridiculous reach, to be 100% honest with you. The issue is, is you have to use the guy, right? Like, if if you look at, like, Penny Sewell did really well, right, with the Lions in his first year, and we watched Jamar Chase get taken by the Cincinnati Bengals at pick five, right? And then all of a sudden he comes out and he's the third receiver in their offense and he ends the year with 600 receiving yards. We're like, that's a horrible fucking pick because you could have protected Jamar. You could have protected Joe Burrow's blindside for the next 10 to 15 years. Instead, you took the three receiver in your offense by T Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd. Right. But no, Jamar chase came out and said, Hey, you know, that guy last year, Justin Jefferson, that just set all the rookie receiving records. and was my teammate in college. I'm going to fucking break all of them. And he did. And you're like, wow, you kind of have to sit here and just eat shit on, on what we said, which they were going to regret not taking Penny Sewell at pick five. The issue is, is that Cal Pitts went at pick four. Here's the list of guys that went after Cal Pitts. I'll just round out the top 10 for you. Jamar Chase has been a better pass catcher, obviously, obviously at the wide receiver position, but Jamar Chase set rookie records. Jalen Waddle has been uber dynamic and has been played above expectations so far. Penny Sewell has had a great year, a great two years with Detroit. J.C. Horn has been banged up here and there, hasn't got a ton of chance to play, kind of a non-factor, kind of a miss. Patrick Sertain, if you look at a year-by-year basis, you have a complete argument to say that Patrick Sertain might be the best cornerback in the NFL as of right now if you look at just these last two years. Guy's been an absolute animal in Denver. You have Devonta Smith, again, who has been extremely good and now looks even better because he's not being doubled all the time because he has A.J. Brown on the other side of him, right? True. So there are tons of guys that have went and, and and again this is atlanta right who's their starting quarterback it's marcus mariota justin fields and mac jones were both on the board when they were up at four right they watched trevor lawrence sure. zach wilson and trey lance go and the three picks before him two talented guys were still on the board at the quarterback position hey by the way you know who went at pick 12 this defensive player of the year candidate micah parsons there is loads of talent and not just like hey this guy might be kind of good there is loads of talent that are are guys that are making an immediate impact on playoff teams right now, two years after the fact. And they took a guy at pick four and they refuse to use him. Yeah. So I, I think the bus part of that is where I'm struggling because it's really not Kyle Pitts's fault. No, it's right? not his like, fault at all. Like, this is the kind of guy that gets traded at a trade deadline down the road and goes on and is really successful. I mean, 100%. last year, 68 grabs, 1,000 yards, only one touchdown in Atlanta Falcon specialty right there to find a really talented receiver and uh, find a way to underutilize him. I mean, the crazy thing is, is he's like slightly behind pace for catches than he was last year. Um, I mean, he's way behind on targets. He's behind you know, about 10 targets and 10 receptions, but the yardage man has been so bad this year, 285. He's caught some touchdowns, but 
it, I don't know if I'm ready to call him a bust. I just think the Atlanta Falcons have made mistakes, right? Like, yeah, no, it's not his fault at all. This guy is uber talented. But as far as when you look at what Atlanta could have got at pick four, right, and they took Kyle Pitts, it was a wasted pick, I think is a better way to put it, right? Kyle Pitts isn't a yeah. bust. It's not Kyle Pitts' fault. But when you look at the three uber-talented receivers that went after, the two quarterbacks that went after him, the lockdown corner, the defensive player of the year candidate, the franchise left tackle, even like Sean Slater has been good. Elijah Vera Tucker has been really good. Like There is tons of talent that went in this first round of this draft. Odafe Owe is leading the league in pressures as of two weeks ago, and he went all the way down to pick 31. Like There is loads of talent that went in this first round. Yeah. And they just they haven't used him and it's becoming an issue because again it's ridiculous to look at how uber talented and the the blueprint of what Kyle Pitts is and not using him and it's a whole nother thing to take that guy at pick four with all the guys that went after him and still not utilize him and I'm not saying not utilize him he should be the number one guy in your offense easily not a not a contest not a question core daryl patterson and drake london who it doesn't matter yeah kyle pitch should be the guy in atlanta and he's not yeah i mean they, there's talent on that roster like that's the nice part is there's there's some upside there it's just you got to get the quarterback right and, and get things going yeah so. it doesn't matter what the what the answer is. I don't care if you have to make him a wide receiver. I don't care if Arthur Morgan has to go to the depth chart and be like, this guy's wide receiver one, Drake London's two. And we're, we're going to sign freaking Mercedes Lewis. He's going to come in and be our tight end afterwards. We're going to put Felipe Franks. Kyle Pitts old college quarterback is going to be our starting tight end. We're moving KP to wide receiver to get him some more targets. I don't care what it, it takes. Sorry. <laughs> I have to say this. Otherwise it's going to drive me nuts. It's Arthur Smith, by the way, what did I say? You keep saying, um, you keep saying Arthur something, but it's not Smith. You're not saying the right. I mean, Arthur Smith. Yeah. I don't know what you were saying, but you were saying something different. And I was like kind of thrown off by it. I was like Fair. kind of confused. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very curious to see kind of what the future of Atlanta looks like, because I mean, you play Desmond Ritter at some point this year, like has Mariota done enough to be a starter. I, I just don't know the answer to that. You know, I don't, I don't think he has, but. It's crazy how talented this first round really was, like already in two years. Yeah. That's well. Yeah. I mean, the the fact that Micah Parsons fell to 13 might be one of those things that we look back at and go, wow, that's absolutely insane that that happened. Absolutely nuts. Generational talent. And uh, yeah, that's just crazy. Um, Yeah. Let's uh, next. The final final one I got for you here is it's a little fill in the blank here. I'm going to have two blanks and you can fill it in. Tom Brady will be doing blank for blank next year. What do you got? Um, Tom Brady will be begging for forgiveness at Giselle's doorstep next year. I think (laughs) Um, You're, you're crazy. I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I think it'd be tough for Tom to to retire after what's happened so far this year. But at the same time, I mean, where does the road lead? Like where, where does it go up from here? I mean, I think first of all is 
figuring out what the f- what is wrong in Tampa. What he's changed? a free agent at the end of the year. Do you think he goes to another team? Oh, dude, there's talks. There's it, the rumor mill. I don't know. Uh, I, I maybe I should have prefaced this question because you might not be up on it. No, there's a lot of talks that Brady could walk at the end of the the season and go sign with somebody else. Um, Brady is very much a free agent at the end of the year. Um, so he has, yeah, he'll be a free agent in 2023. So there's been talks that what the, what, what's the landing spot. So the, the main rumors are, does he go to a place like Tennessee and link back up with Frable? Um, does he go play for, uh, San Francisco? That's still out there on the board of, you that's... know, maybe it's, Insanity to me. That's so crazy. But really talented team with a win now roster. Tom Brady could step (sighs) on and and elevate him to the next level. Does he go back to, does he go to Las Vegas and link back up with Josh McDaniels? And the craziest thing, the craziest thing is New England is on the list. No fucking way, dude. A lot of people think New England would be in his top three choices of where he'd like to go. Go back, relink up with Bill Belichick. You know, make up, say, listen, I want to play for a top tier defense. I want to, you know what I mean? Let's let's get some weapons around me and let's let's do this thing. Patriots are scheduled to have like, I think, fifty three million dollars in cap space this offseason again. Um, So plenty of room to go add a guy and who knows, you know, what weapons will be on the market. You know, go get a Kyle Pitts or go get somebody like that and 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 just kind of run from there. So there's lots of options that Brady could where Brady could end up. Ah, dude, I don't know. I think he's either playing in. T- I don't. Three, three possibilities in my opinion: okay. Tampa, retirement, yep. Indianapolis, because they love their old quarterbacks for some fucking reason. I see. Indy's the one that I've heard that I like the least. To be honest with I you, I would agree. Well, I don't. I wouldn't think. I think, honest to God, and I understand why it makes sense, and I'll explain why I don't like it. San Francisco is the one that I hate the most, which is weird because the optics of adding Tom Brady to that roster, I 100% agree. It's a great move. You have all the playmakers, right? You have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. The list goes on and on and on. Stout defense, great offensive-minded head coach, Kyle Shanahan. It fits. The bounty of draft picks that they gave to go get Trey Lance to turn around and not only have wasted his rookie year, played 50-50 with Jimmy, not Jimmy, he's hurt, he's not hurt, and then losing him for a second year, right, with the injury, and then going and paying Tom Brady to come in and start over him when you gave up three first-round picks to go draft this guy, arguably a guy that could have been on the board when you were up to pick at six or at nine, is fucking insane to me because the Dolphins have taken the three first round picks that they got in that move up to three to get Trey Lance. They turned it into partially into Tyree Kill, Bradley Chubb, and Jalen Waddle. And for the 49, and I get sometimes you just got to cut your losses and fucking move on. This is a kid that hasn't played three games straight without being hurt or benched or something happening along the way. So that's insanity to me that they'll just fucking bring Brady in and just be like, oh, we just fucking mortgaged the house for this guy not to fucking play. That's great. I understand why, right? 
That part is great and it makes perfect sense. But it's just that part to me is insanity that they'd be just perfectly okay with that. Right. Why wouldn't you? You win a Super Bowl, what you what have you lost? Again, but that's a if. Do you win a Super Bowl? You're immediately more competitive than you are with Trey Lance, with Tom Brady. Agreed. No doubt. Agreed. At 46, even at 40, 46, he'll be, I think, when he goes there, which is just insane. Um, I think awesome. that team is immediately, their chances of winning the Super Bowl next year increase significantly. And that's a team you look at and go, I mean, he doesn't. He just probably would have to take a little bit of a pay cut, you know, not be in the $40, $50 million range, and he could come, come on and play for that team. And they're ready to go. They got Debo. They got Chris. They got the, all the weapons, everything he can want. George Kittle, a great tight end, which he loves throwing to. It makes it makes too much sense, really. Like San Francisco makes a lot of sense. It does. I mean, it's his favorite team growing up, too. I mean, we're completely mm-hmm. leaving that. He's a Cali kid off the list, too. Joe Montana was his favorite player growing up. It does completely line up. And I do agree. Like, I mean, you win a Super Bowl, it kind of. But just where does that leave you with Trey Lance, right? Do you try to trade him? Do you just immediately out yeah. you, you move like... on no no you trade them just trade them for whatever whatever assets you can get you probably get maybe a first or a second round back for him and and you move on you go forward and and tom brady taking jimmy garoppolo's job one more time oh, that's i think fucking would, hilarious would be a pretty probably a pretty good feeling for brady, all right here's so. the last thing before we move on here's your idea you remember we we watched theo ashes tiktok today at lunch yeah here it is fuck say train send train lance over to new orleans Say, give me Michael Thomas. You fucking Michael Thomas, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. Fucking let it fucking ride. I got Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey, and all these guys in front of me. I got a great defense. Bring it the fuck on. Yeah, like that's like I think that trade makes even less sense though. But I I don't. I mean, that's my opinion. I I don't think I don't think Jordan Love, in my opinion, but I don't know Jordan Love like. I don't. A lot of people didn't like Jordan Love being a first round pick in general. I think a lot of people. I think Trey Lance would have still been drafted in the first round. You know what I mean? Maybe not yeah. as high as San Francisco took him, but like he for sure would have been a first rounder. So I think there'll be more interest in a guy like Trey Lance. So I don't know if I trade him for yeah, Michael I'd Thomas. A completely know? unrelated note. I think especially. I think in general, after not watching him, Trey Lance play at all the last two years, I think especially the last three weeks, I think. San Francisco fans and possibly Kyle Shanahan in that front office a bit are punching the air, watching how well Justin Fields is playing, knowing that he was on the board of three. No, hundred percent without question. Um, Hindsight's always twenty twenty though. They feel that way about Mac Jones last year too. Like they're true. Both those guys have have shown anything. I mean, they played. Like, it's not like they've shown better than I was like, they've played. They've been on the field. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. You ready to jump into gambling? You ready to talk some some sports betting? Bring it on. We are incredibly going to be over, so we have to fly through gambling here. Um, first thing I'm going to read, uh, contact the, the Problem Gambling Hotline at 800-522-4700. Professionals are available 24 hours a day to take your call. Help is available at no cost to the problem gambler and their concerned others. Um I'll run through my picks last week. I'm up to 16 and five. I went three and one Pats minus five and a half versus the Colts hit knew it was going to work. Sam Ellinger rookie quarterback versus Bill Belichick. Wow. Who would have thunk the rookie quarterback struggled? Um, 
I, I mean, Sam Ellinger is not even a rookie quarterback, but a younger quarterback. Nonetheless, uh, Vikings minus three and a half versus the commanders. You want to talk about a heartbreaker? Uh, Vikings won by three at half the point killed me there. Um, Jags versus Raider under 47 and a half that hit all day game was kind of a sleeper. I thought it would Eagles versus Texans over 44 and a half. This is a game that I told Owen to bet over on. And yet he came in and he bet the under. Yep. I came in and bet the under and regretted it. So three and one pretty good week for me. gets me up to 16 and five broke that even stretch. Now I got to start building the gap. Yeah. I thought I'd be over more than two by now. But um, I had a uh, Dolphins minus five and a half versus the Bears. Fucking the two biggest sells, I think, of the year. Um, Dolphins minus five and a half to the Bears. Vikings minus three and a half to the Commanders. Sounded like the two safest bets I've ever made in my entire life. Fucking insanity that we both lost on those two. Um, yeah. I had the Lions plus three and a half to the Packers. Jags plus one and a half to the Raiders. I thought, man, these are fucking some risky picks. But the Packers and the Raiders have kind of sucked. Both those teams not only covered, but outright won the game. So yeah. uh, congrats to and both. And they were terrible games, too. Yeah. Awful games. Yeah. And Baltimore plus two and a half versus the Saints primetime football. I believe John Harbaugh is now 20 and two. The Ravens are 20 and two on uh, primetime underneath John Harbaugh. Absolute insanity. Andy Dalton. Uh, has lost had lost a record nine games to the Baltimore Ravens before that week felt pretty confident going into that game that I was getting. Um, was it minus two and a half or plus two and a half? There's no way the saints were favored in that game, right? Yeah, I might've, we might've had it written down wrong. Regardless, whatever it was, I felt very confident at two and a half. I was like, well, just Tucker will kick a fucking game winning field goal, if nothing else. So felt confident there. I also went three and one. I'm 13 and 11 now. I feel like I should be a little bit higher than that, but those, the numbers will mess with you sometimes with the three it's, and one weeks. Well, I know. So like you go three and one, and you're like, oh man, I made progress. But like one of your wins is canceled out by your loss. Yep. So you really only go up to like, you know what I mean? They yeah, only go up to, yeah. Yeah. It feels like you should go up more, but you, you hit even. And yeah. So it's crazy how that works, but yeah. 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 I like, uh, we both had a really good week last week. So it's a damn shame I didn't earn a penny off those bets because I parlayed the wrong ones together. But this is what it is. That's unfortunately how sports betting goes. Man, I cannot find the line for that game, what it was on Monday night. But I feel like, I feel like it had to be minus. It was in New Orleans. It had to be minus two and a half still for Baltimore. Yeah. I would. I can't imagine they were giving them two and a half points because that there's no way people don't freaking hammer the crap out of that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Line was it, it line finished at minus one and a half for Baltimore before kickoff. So yeah, it was I'm minus. Sh- two I'm sh- okay. It was. I'm sure it was minus two and a half. Um, my picks for this week. Uh, I've got Eagles and Commanders over. Um, at forty three and a half. Again, anytime that that line sits around like low forties for the Eagles game. Um, I'm going to bet the over on it. Cause that team is so dynamic. Uh, I think they scored 26 or 20, 29 points versus the Texans last week. They're playing the commanders, um, which in my opinion is a pretty similar to that. And then plus the commanders is a better offense than the Texans are. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't shock me if the, you know, the commanders and are they have a worse defense up. than the Texans do too. And yeah. So it's like, 
This felt like a win-win for me. It makes a lot of sense to bet the Eagles and Commanders over 43 and a half. I just think that line's low. Um, I'm taking Cowboys minus five versus the Packers. This is one that, you know, feels a little bit more on the risky side here. Um, I like the Cowboys coming off a bye week, though. For me, I think that's really, really important for a coach kind of like Mike McCarthy. Um, And the Packers look so bad versus the Lions. I think if you can get this at this number, this low at minus five, I think that's something that you pound all day. Um, Browns versus Dolphins over 49 and a half. This is a little bit risky. I'm not going to lie, but the Browns offense has been humming lately. I like the Dolphins defense. I don't love the Dolphins defense and I love the Dolphins offense. So I just think this is going to be a high scoring game over that 49 and a half. It feels like a really high line, but it's two te- I mean, both teams have to score 20 points and I think that's very, very doable or 25 points, excuse me. And I think that's very doable for both of these offenses. Um, Dolphins gave up. 30 points or yeah, 30 points to the the bears last week. I think the Browns offense is better than the bears, the bears offense. So I kind of like that streak to continue. Um, and I'm also taking bears minus three and a half versus the lions. Uh, bears have been balling out. Justin Fields has been playing great. And I can't say the same for the lions, right? The lions went up against a struggling Packers team and barely won the game. Didn't play that great. Um, and the bears are playing hot, man. They played the Cowboys good. They played the dolphins good. Like that offense looks like it's on a good streak here. Um, and I, I like their odds of beating the worst defense in the league in the lions. Yeah. I like the picks. I honestly, I don't know. The Eagles and the commanders one is still for some, I don't know what it is. I a hundred percent agree with your logic wholeheartedly for some reason. I don't know. That one's just, it is a low line. I don't know. It's just, it's, it bugged go, me. Go. Fade it, fade it. Bet the under. I refuse. Not after last week. <laughs> I've, I've been burned already by Eagles overs. Um, my four picks this week: I have Seahawks plus two and a half versus the Buccaneers. Um, probably a terrible bet in Germany. Obviously, Tom Brady got the comeback win over the Rams last week. That fourth quarter collapse by LA. The Seahawks have played really well this year. The Buccaneers haven't. Um, it's in uncomfortable territory for both teams. The Seahawks, I just they feel like a team that is just galvanized and playing together. I feel like it doesn't matter. Do they love playing in front of the 12s in Seattle? 100%. But this just feels like a team that they could go to Tampa. They could go to Chicago in 85. They could go to Baltimore in 2000. This just feels like a team that is going to go out there and play the best damn football that they can play every single Sunday. And that's the kind of team that I want to play in Germany against a, a – yeah, they're coming off a win, but it was a three-game skid before that. The Bucks are on their heels still, right? Like this isn't a team that I'm, you know, you're still fully sold on or even partially sold on at this point. So, I like the Seahawks plus two and a half this week. It's a riskier pick, but I don't know. I'm gonna ride the Seahawks train a little bit this week. Uh, the Saints minus one and a half versus the Steelers. The line's a little close. I don't honestly, I have no clue who's gonna start at quarterback for the Steelers. And honestly, while we're talking about it. Who effing knows if Andy Dalton's going to start for the Saints again this week? Uh, probably makes it a little bit more of a riskier pick, but I damn sure will tell you that I believe that the Saints are a better football team than the Pittsburgh Steelers are so far this year, and I don't think, barring some ridiculous collapse, that the Saints should lose this game, and that's basically what you're betting on at a one-and-a-half game. Um, Dolphins minus three-and-a-half versus the Browns. Um, I think these offenses get firing, and it becomes a shootout, and uh, – 
whether you love Tua Tungvaluwa or you hate him, you think he throws picks or whatnot, like Dolphins are going to get up and down the field. And I think if it becomes a shootout, I'm taking Tua, Jalen Waddle, and Tyree Kill over Amari Cooper and Jacoby Brissett at the end of the day and Nick Chubb. Um, and then lastly, I have the Cardinals plus one and a half versus the Rams. Um, both teams railing. Obviously, like I said, the Rams collapsed last week. The Cardinals have not played well the last couple of weeks. Um, Cardinals, obviously, a little bit more vocal about the losing streak on the sideline. It's been a lot more tense down there for them. Um, Call of Duty did just come out this last weekend, and the Cardinals did lose, obviously, with Kyler Murray. And his, as much as it's a joke, it's there's way too many stats that are backing it up at this point. But I'll be damned. Like I said, I just I don't believe in the Rams at this point. I think their offensive line has been absolutely terrible, and I think it's going to lead to a Matthew Stafford injury eventually. Obviously, we don't wish that upon any player. I don't want Matthew Stafford to get hurt at all, but he's just getting absolutely mashed week in, week out. And again, if this game becomes a shootout, I'm going to take the team that has weapons and uses all of its weapons, not has all of its weapons and only throws a Cooper Cup. So running with the Cardinals. Basically, obviously, the Cardinals and the Saints being plus and minus one and a half is basically just a flat money line pick. But I like both of those teams in those two games. So you say that, but a safety could be the difference. It could be. A missed a missed PAT or two could be the difference. True. Right. So. Yeah. You say that. You say it's a money line pick. It's not. Welcome to the NFL, right? True. Um, very, very true. But yeah, I like I like those bets. I really like Dolphins three and a half. Like that line feels too tight. It feels really well does. again. I felt the same goddamn way about minus five to the Bears last week and Vikings minus three and a half to the Commanders. But here we are. Knowing yeah, my luck, this is the the Saints and the Cardinals cover, and then the Dolphins will flop me somehow again. Yeah. But that's gonna do it. Episode eleven. Oh, hey, you know why your bets felt low? Why? Because you didn't update my record at all? No, I was one off. Ah, okay. That makes sense. You're 14 and 11, not 13 and 11. 14, yeah, 13 and 11. Because I was like, man, how is he on an off number? He hasn't had a a bet squash, but that's why. Because you're you're actually 14 and 11. I forgot to add a win. You're I'll, 3 and 1 last week. I'll take 14 and 11 every day of the week. Getting close to that 60% yeah. mark. I'm close, quitting Dick's yeah. Sporting Goods. I'm out of there. <laughs> okay, you guys have never luck. seen me again. <laughs> my $5 parlay is riding them into the sunset. I mean, hey, Boston Connor has hit two in a row right now. That's just true. absolutely crazy. Riding so. the hot streak. Anything's possible, right? That's true. But anything else? I'm all good. Make sure you guys go follow us on Twitter at Pisswarm Takes for Tim at Owen underscore Burke, B E R K for myself. Keep it locked, obviously, next week. We'll come back, take a look at our bets of the week again, smash the pup the brakes. Uh, we'll see if any more coaches get fired. Um, who yeah. knows? Maybe the Cardinals fire Cliff Kingsbury and promote Rodney Hudson as their head coach. Who knows? Maybe we're just going to yeah. start promoting all pro centers with no coaching experience to head coaching spots immediately. We'll see what happens. It's the yeah, NFL. Go, go. Go follow us on Twitter while you still can uh, before the platform completely dies off and doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, before so. it collapses in on itself because of great business decisions from Elon Musk. <laughs> so that's going to do it for episode 11. We'll see you guys next week for episode 12. And, uh, yeah, until then, stay safe and stay healthy. We'll 
see y'all then.